These are fun, off-the-cuff discussions on movies and streaming series, both new and old. Together, we'll attempt to bridge the gap between Hollywood Industry Insider and the casual viewer. This is Alec. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to the Cinema A to B Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first ever live-streamed episode of Cinema A to B. So, Ben, we've been doing this just about a year now. This is our 50th episode, so we want to do something special. So, obviously, we're live streaming this. So, if you missed a live stream, no worries. It's going to be put up on our on our Facebook page as well as our YouTube channel. And for the, our audio-only listeners, you're going to get it, too. So, don't worry. You're not going to miss this episode. But we wanted to pick something fun. We wanted to pick something enjoyable. And I think this movie is pretty high up on our list for both of us. We're going to be talking about 2000's Guy Ritchie film, Snatch. So, Ben, I'm going to start you off with a question before getting into your thoughts. There's a theory out there because there's a lot of a lot of battle between what is better, lock, stock and two smoking barrels or Snatch. OK, there's always that argument. Which one's the better film? And there's a theory out there that talks about whichever one you watched first. That's the one generally you think is best. So my first question is. Which one did you watch first? And then also, which one do you think is best? I watched Snatch first. Okay. And I think Snatch is best. All right. All right. So the theory, the theory holds true. <laughs> it does. For one, I'm, for one more person. <laughs> well, and I'm going to, you know, I saw Snatch first as well. That's the one I, I gravitate towards. Well, as much as I love Lock Sock, Snatch is, I think, is the better film. But anyways, so with that, got that out of the way. How do you feel about Snatch? I, it's like I fell in love with it all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, watching it recently. It had been a while. It had been a while. This movie holds a really special place in my heart. And for good and bad reasons. Um, I think I saw it first in college on DVD. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I went to a college where I wasn't supposed to have that DVD. <laughs> They, they, it was a, it was a very strict Bible college and there were not supposed to be any R rated films in your possession. And, uh, I'm coming clean now. I had it <laughs> hidden away and we all watched it a lot. In fact, so much that I believe I did either one or two short films in undergrad heavily inspired mm-hmm. by snatch and the films themselves didn't get us in trouble, but the outtakes did. (laughs) Of course. And that's a whole story on how, um, the disciplinary committee (laughs) of that college (laughs) found those, those outtakes on VHS, I believe. And we did, we got in a lot of trouble for that because we used as much profanity as they use in snatch, (laughs) which is constant. Yeah. And, and the love for this movie went even further than that into graduate school where, where I went to film school there were a group of us that just thought that the editing in this film was next level. And it was always something we were wanting to try to emulate that quick cutty MTV style. And I really credit Guy Ritchie and his editor for bringing that into mainstream feature filmmaking. This feels like the first one that really did that. Mm -hmm. And it starts at the very beginning of the movie um, after they walk through security and then reveal that they're not rabbis, but in fact that they're robbing this diamond, this jeweler, the the edits are still insane. 
Yeah. The freeze frames, warping, warping the image, twisting it, going back in, um, speed ramps. You hadn't seen a lot of speed ramps until that movie. So this thing, I kind of put it as a landmark thing sitting there at 2000, even though I, I think it came in the U S in 2001. Mm, it did work. Yeah. That's when I saw it. So I'm, there's not much to say. So I recently watched this as well and had been a couple of years and I'm kicking myself for like, I'm thinking to myself, why is this not in my top five? I mean, I'm like, I, it's in my top 10, but I'm like, this movie is fantastic. Like every bit, the acting, the dialogue. I mean, Guy Ritchie wrote this thing himself. I think he had a little bit of help maybe, or no, just, just himself. And I mean, it's so smart. It's so quick. It's so funny. I mean, it, it is a heist movie, but there's so much going on to, in this this film that I just absolutely love. And I don't know why it's not higher. I mean, like, there's so many good films. But honestly, thinking about it and looking at it, Guy Ritchie is probably one of my favorite directors of all time. I mean, the movies that he's done. I mean, he's had, you know, they haven't all been winners. Some have been eh. But, I mean, the Lockstock, obviously, we were just talking about. Snatch, I love this. But, I mean, you got Rock and Rolla, the Sherlock Holmes. You've got uh, The Gentleman, which came out a couple years ago, which I really enjoyed. I mean, a lot of these movies have the same vein of, like, Snatch or Lockstock, but that they're still so enjoyable. They're still so quick. There's still so much that pulls me in and makes me watch it. That Guy Ritchie definitely has something of he knows how to grab his audience. He knows how to get them involved in the story and how to let them forget that they're watching a movie and just kind of go along with the story. We kind of talked about, like, Ocean's Eleven was kind of like a ride where you just – it started and boom, all of a sudden you're at the end and you're like, just pulled along. That's how I feel about Guy Ritchie films, and especially – with snatch like you said i mean it opens with, with that little you know narration by um oh my Benicio. goodness by turkish or whatever yeah um, oh yeah by turkish oh, yeah, yeah. By, by turkish at the beginning and stuff like yeah. that but then it goes into the rabbi stuff and kind of rolls the credits and that's interesting i mean it, I, I felt it's always been very like reservoir dogs kind of feeling because you know he's you know kind of the whole like talking about the virgin birth where they were talking about madonna's like a virgin like it almost feels like it's somewhat of a nod of like it hey could Tarantino, be. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Could I mean, be. but it's still it's so much fun. You talked about the quick cuts. There's so many great shots in this. There's so many good. How do, how do I say it? Like ways that they, they edit. It's not boring at all. Like just the visuals by themselves are so bring you into this movie and make you want to continue to watch it. Yeah, I watching it. Well, the first thing that comes up is the opening credit comes up, and I see produced by Matthew Vaughn. Mm -hmm. And I bet the first 20 times I've seen this, I didn't think anything of it. Yeah. And now in looking back, that's the guy that directed Lair Cake, X-Men First Class, all the Kingsman films. So he was his producer on this. And I believe he produced Lockstock as well with him and then went on to forge his own very successful directing uh, career. So there's, there's a lot of talent on hand to make this movie. Where do we kind of start? It is oh. a very smart film. Mm -hmm. And the the dialogue is so good that it almost doesn't matter that a couple of the leads don't really have much acting experience outside of showing up in Lockstock first. Yeah. I was amazed at how good a performance like he gets out of out of Vinnie Jones as bullet tooth Tony and Vinny hadn't been in that many movies. I mean, not at all. And yeah, that, that whole scene, it, 
with him sitting in the pub with <laughs> with Desert Eagle 0. .50. And I was and I was paying more attention to that performance than I probably had in previous viewings. And I was like, this really holds up. So there's some other performances in it that are a little hit and miss. I I don't think Statham's performance has aged quite as well um in some areas, but he's still really good as as Turkish and a good casting decision. Mm -hmm. This this cast is really deceptively deep with with Farina as Avi and oh, Dennis Farina. He gets plenty of yeah, the late Dennis Farina. He gets plenty of screen time and he's great. So it goes well beyond Pitt. In fact, Pitt almost feels like an afterthought after watching it again. It was like, and I guess Pitt didn't want to do it because it was so close to Fight Club, but he he was like, I want to work with Guy Ritchie and just was went ahead and was willing to to basically take another kind of fighting bare knuckle boxing movie. But it's such a different role. Those it I don't think that concern was was legitimate. So he had actually approached Guy Ritchie and was like, I want to be in one of your films. And then Guy Ritchie was like, you're going to be the boxer in this. And that's when he was kind of like, well, you know, don't want to do another fight thing to get type typecast. But like you said, he wanted to work with Guy Ritchie so much. And I think obviously it worked out. Now, originally he was not supposed to be a pikey. He was supposed to be a um, like a British guy. But I guess Brad Pitt couldn't nail down the, the London accent. So he was just like, do some random like gypsy, you know, whatever <laughs> yeah. thing and just make it as unintelligible as possible. OK, but real quick, my favorite thing about the DVD of, of this movie is the fact that there is a subtitle track just for Brad Pitt's character. Like yes, everyone else is fine. It's just him. Like and not even the other other pikeys, just Brad Pitt. Like yes. I loved it. Like it was because he's so unintelligible. Yeah. And I've watched I It took me a while to find out how to access that. After I had, I'd had the disc for a couple of years before I realized you could dig in and and find the Pikey subtitling, yeah. and it doesn't really add anything. In fact, I think it's funnier to really not be able to tell what he's saying, yeah. Than than to get a translation, but he's obviously very good. But the I I don't want us to turn this discussion into a quote fest because, but the reality is this is this is maybe my like most, this might be the most quotable movie of all time for me. And, mm. um, shout out to a former coworker, Clarissa. And we would throw back quotes from this <laughs> weekly, <laughs> weekly, you know, she would be like, Oh, you can get that. You can edit. Get, it was, of course it was in a British accent. You can get that edit done. Can't you Ben? Course I can, <laughs> you know, it, it was always, it was always stuff to do with Tyrone. Yeah. Uh, which Tyrone is, can move when he has to. Uh, it's a two-ton truck, Tyrone. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean it's, the dialogue is it's superb, it, superb. You could literally just listen to this movie and still be enthralled. Like as much as the visuals are amazing, as the you know, but just as like an audio only, you can do it. So there's a lot of times, you know, Laura and I when we're traveling, we're driving, we'll put on there's like a website that says like listen to a movie.com or whatever. This is one of the ones that I always want to throw on is listen to a movie. You know, just where it's just the audio only, the music and the dialogue. And I mean I easily I can obviously I've seen this enough time I could follow along without it, but it's so Interesting, just with the dialogue with this. I mean, Guy Ritchie nailed it out of the park. It's still my, it's my, my favorite of any of his writing stuff, but he is so quick in a lot of his movies, like it's so deep and he doesn't do a lot of tropeness stuff. I mean, like, it's just, he does bring some stuff along from different movies, like the, you know, 
repetitive kind of conversations of like, like you said, the, the, of course I can, of course I can like just constantly kind of hitting that until it becomes just way too funny, but it never feels like he overdoes it or he never feels like he's pushing it. It just feels like a natural part of the conversation, but it just is funny. And so, but yeah, he does do that redundancy in Mm. the script. There's that scene with, with Turkish and Tommy near the end of the film Mm-hmm. And Tommy's kind of asking him, like, well, what happens if the pikey doesn't go down in the fourth round? And he's like, well, I suppose we'll get murdered before we leave the ring and they'll feed us to the pigs. And then the conversation progresses. And then he's like, well, but what if he does something else? And he repeats the exact same verbiage. <laughs> and it's he's, you're right. He does that several times in the movie. Yeah, yeah it's it's excellent screenwriting. It's and it's aged well. The film is aged well. It does have, I only have the DVD. It's a pretty bleak movie still visually. Like Mm. everything's really cool colors. It's a lot of like blues and greens. And it's got like a less unified look than something like Fight Club. But there's scenes that are very reminiscent of Fight Club because they're the whole bare knuckle boxing ring is lit in a very similar manner with it with it's almost underlit to an extent, at least everything other than the ring. And yeah, the, the saturation's not real high. It's, it's not black and white, but it's, it's not a strong color grade. Although I think for the 4k remaster, which they did three years ago, put, they put some of the saturation back in because it was, it was almost too bleak. Um, but it's a beautifully shot movie Hmm. on 35 and it's, it's one of those early two thousands gems that, that I think is aged well and that, Mm -hmm. that I think more people should see. And it didn't make, it did very well though. I mean, it it was, it was a 6 million, 6 million pounds was the budget and it roughly made, I think 85 million worldwide, but with that little investment and it turns around, that's what launches his career in Hollywood. Absolutely. Effectively. So, so Tarantino is always kind of given a lot of credit for, bringing out his music choices of like finding those really unused tracks or unknown tracks and then bringing them kind of into not as so much the zeitgeist, but into like the world of like people are actually like, Oh, this is, this is a really good track. I don't remember this one. I have to say like Guy Ritchie is similar in that vein, not so much like the unknown tracks, but he just knows what tracks to use. Like his music, musical choices and pretty much in all his films that I've seen is fantastic. It is, but especially this one, just some of the, the choices he's made, some of the things that like he picks up, like I have the soundtrack. I love this soundtrack, like absolutely adore the soundtrack. Just listen to it just because it's just great hits. And then some of this, like even some of the, just the, the score is just done really, really well too. So it's, I mean, I don't know how much he had involvement, but I'm pretty sure Guy Ritchie is close to an auteur that he has his hand in just about every aspect of his film. Well, and he got his start making music videos. So there's a lot of connections that way within the industry because, I mean, this is the movie that turned me on to like Massive Attack. Mm -hmm. Yep. I hadn't listened to Massive Attack prior to seeing Snatch. And so, and that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack's still an absolute banger. Yeah, it's 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 as good as there is, although when I watched it, like sometimes in the movie, it feels like a set of music videos kind of butting up next to one another Mm -hmm. in a good way, in a good way. Yeah, like 
where he he lets the music just kind of do all the talking. I mean, the scene the scene where um, where Pitt's mom gets burned alive mm. in her, and he just That's lets the music. He there's a little bit of narration from Statham as Turkish. You know, they that Bricktop thought it'd be a good idea to you know burn her caravan with her sleeping in it, and and then the music rises and it's a really nice track and you get a good visual with it. And the other director that kind of went crazy doing that was uh Soderbergh for oceans mm-hmm. 12. Yeah. And it did, but it didn't work as well where he would just let scenes go forever with nothing but music playing in the background. There was no dialogue. And I feel like Richie had a good balance with this and still does still knows when to kind of flex his muscle, um, from the music video standpoint and his DP, um, his direct photography, which was Tim Maurice Jones, he has a background in music videos as well. Okay, so so and it helps. I mean, I would never yeah. have thought this would that would be such a big help, but it works. Well, you you're really forced to develop your a very very distinctive visual style that separates you from everybody else if you're going to direct music videos. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately that isn't really a, like a growing segment for directors. Like it's the music videos kind of seen its day and they still make them, but it's tough to like cut your teeth in music videos now and then try to launch a career in Hollywood. And this guy, Richie, and then maybe 10 years after him is kind of the window is closing where they would do that. And, and with varying levels of success, I mean, mm-hmm. was it, I think it's, was it McGee or something that directed Terminator Salvation? And they had a, um, they had a music video background basically were handpicked because of the success of the music videos mm-hmm. with the visual style. So it doesn't always work. Um, well, and I remember the trailer for Terminator S- Salvation. It, it's probably one of my favorite trailers of all time is that it's like the biggest head fake. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Cause it's like, what is it? Uh, is it? Soundgarden that they're playing over top of like the big thing or like nine inch. I forget, I forget who it was. It was some band, but like, you know, it come, it comes in and, um, you know, and the helicopter flies and he steps on, on the Terminator's head. Uh, anyways, I digress, but okay. Going back to the music in this watch through, there was something I noticed that I hadn't noticed before. And I thought it was super funny and it shows Guy Ritchie really cares about the details. But so when they're introducing bullet tooth, Tony, like not, not from the intro, but like when he's, when Doug the head and Dennis Freeman's character, um, cousin Abby are talking about, you know, and the, the twins are like, what about Tony? And they cut to him and it cuts to Tony getting shot in the club or whatever. So they're playing Madonna's lucky star yes. in that club. And then of course it comes down where they, they get uh mullet and he's dragging along and he turns on the, the radio and lucky star comes. And he's like, Oh, that's my favorite song. And I obviously I'd always recognize lucky star in that scene, but I never really picked up in the club scene. I'm right, like, dude, this is scene. the same. This is a song. This is the song you got shot in, but yet it's still your favorite. I, I love that. I love that. Those small little moments that it's, it's this attention to detail that makes this movie so great. Like there's a moment like when Boris, uh, you know, his name gets spoken by Vinny and Saul or whatever. And stuff like that. And he goes, goes to shoot Benicio's, um, uh, Frankie four fingers or whatever. What he does first is he puts in ear guards or like, you know, ear, like foam things in his ears and yeah. then shoots the guy. Cause he knows it's going to be too loud. And I'm like, this is, it's the, these small things that are just hilarious. Yeah. But my only gripe and it, and it's with bullet tooth Tony and he's got the desert Eagle 
and there's no recoil on that gun whatsoever. <laughs> none, none. He just he's he's in that hallway in the pub and just gatting Boris. And there's no one handed -handed. the thing never there's no barrel rise. (laughs) It's like, yeah, that's he is. That's still one of the more strongest man in the entire world. Apparently, yes, (laughs) but it's a movie. So what do I care? But I was going to say one of my favorite sequences in the whole movie, and it's it's just so beautifully done, is the non kind of the nonlinear nature of when Boris is got the hood over his head and he's walking around in the street <laughs> yeah and the and the milk the chocolate milk yeah and then it all comes together the edit is beautiful with that and the comedic payoff is just and, and then boris you think boris is dead and then he comes around <laughs> the corner where where turkish and tommy are hits tommy right in the nuts <laughs> and walks in the house gets his ak comes back <laughs> it's it's a riot so the build in this movie is flawless and that really is a credit to to the edit and to Guy Ritchie and the script. It just it ramps up and ramps up and ramps up and ramps up. And then the payoff is not what you expect. And everything's resolved in a nice, neat little bow. And yeah, it's, it is. It's it, tremendous. It, it, it's done so well. And I'm going to tell you right now, I think Boris is my favorite character of the entire film just because he has such great lines and he's just really hilarious. But he's a salesman. And th- like you talked about the, the things that you quote. This is my favorite quote. I say this all the time. Like because when he's talking with Tommy, he's like holding the gun. He's like heavy is good. Heavy is reliable. You know, if it doesn't work, you can always hit it with, you know, hit it with him. And then he's selling it to someone else. And he's like the weight. You know, I think to Frankie Fourfingers, he's like the weight is a sign of reliability. And I'm yeah. like, this is his pitch. His Same guns pitch. don't work, but they're heavy. They're heavy. <laughs> we quote that too. We quote it too. It's oh. yeah, it's fab. It's fabulous. It's fabulous. Yeah. And the other, the other one was, is the, how much, how much more longer on them sausages, Tommy? <laughs> two minutes, two Turkish. Turkish. And then was, again, how much longer? Five minutes. It was two minutes, five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. It, and the, the problem is that Richie peaked too soon with this. It sits at an 8.2 in IMDb. It's their number 121 rated movie out of the top 250. And he's made a lot of great, great movies since then. But like, this is the second feature basically out of the gate, his first with a, a big name actor. And it's, I wouldn't call it a perfect movie, but it's, it's close. It's close. And so it's like, where do we go from here? That's really tough when you, you know, some directors didn't seem to bother him. I mean, Spielberg, Mm -hmm. you know, Jaws was in the first couple movies and he didn't have a problem, you know, trying to Raiders of the Lost Ark. He, you know, well, even Close Encounters after Jaws was superb. So yeah, I, I like Guy Ritchie stuff. In fact, I even like it it got maligned, but I, I liked his take on uh, King Arthur. Oh yeah. I, but I think it was cause the, the public had beaten it down so much. And by the time I got to around to watching it, I, my expectations were pretty low and I was like, Oh, I, I rather like this. Well, I'm, I'm really sad that the man from uncle didn't do very well. Cause Oh, that's my a good goodness, movie. That's a think, really good movie. It did so poorly. They were supposed to actually be more of them. And I was, I was, I was it's all so for good. It, it, it is so, so well done, but like snatch is my favorite, but I love rock and roll. I think rock and roll is fantastic. Like this is such a great film. I really yeah. like the gentleman as well with, you know, Matthew McConaughey in it, even though he's in it and, 
he's not my favorite, but like, it's, it, they're just so well done. It's all these, again, it's that attention to detail. It's that it, it, the ability for him to, like you said, kind of talking about like the stitching, the comedic is doing these kind of separate scenes that all seem separate, but then combining them at the end for a, a wonderful payoff, whether it's comedic, whether it is for the story beat, whether it's for the emotional beat, but it just works. He constantly is doing that throughout the films. So, uh, you know, but again, it's, it's the small moments. Like when we go back with Boris, when he gets called by his, his cousin or whatever, like the cousin's calling from Antwerp, he's talking in English, calling London and Boris is responding in Russian. I just, yes. I feel like that juxtaposition yeah. is just hilarious. It's as well. very like, good. Yeah. Yeah. Although it's, that guy's performance that plays the, is it his brother? I think they're brothers or something. Okay. Yeah. There's something, but his performance isn't very good. Like I was watching that again, the guy on the phone that called, I was like, man, eh, that's, <laughs> but he's not in the movie very long. So no, but he was smart. Richie was smart to kind of drop some of the trappings that he's been known for when he made something like the gentleman. Because it still felt like a Guy Ritchie film, but it didn't feel like he was leaning on some of this stuff that that he has kind of brought to the forefront that you think of when you see a Guy Ritchie film. Yeah. So that kind of shows maturation as a director. And I enjoyed that film. Mm-hmm. I just I want another uh, I want another sequel to Sherlock Holmes. I I enjoyed both of those films immensely. I did. And I'm guessing the uh, the Marvel contract with Downey Jr. as Iron Man put the kibosh on a third one because from what I remember, the second one did well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's got my fa- Laura's favorite scene in it of when RDJ is riding that little small pony through the through the woods when everyone's <laughs> riding horses and he's coming. He's, he's, yes, <laughs> she cackles every yeah. single yeah. time yeah. she sees it. She yep. she loves that. She loves that scene. Um, I, going back. Lockstock versus Snatch. I'm just going to bring mm-hmm. it up. One of the things I think that cements it for me is Alan Ford's performance as Bricktop. Because oh, obviously heavens, in Lockstock, yes. he's the I bartender. I was waiting for – yeah. I was gl- I'm glad you brought him up because to me, he is what gives this thing its weight mm-hmm. as, as the baddie, as the big baddie. And without him – in fact, I was thinking when I was watching it, I think – at least 50% of why I love this movie so much is the, the British nature of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how well or bad it did in the UK, but as an American that his take on that whole crime subculture in London is just fabulous. Yeah. And I don't care if it's realistic or not, it doesn't really matter, but the whole nature of it being, this very funny, very British movie is, is largely what makes it so attractive and rewatchable and their, their differences in cadence and language that they use. And I, and I like that they poke fun that Avi can't really make sense sometimes of what they're saying. I think there's a scene with bullet tooth. Tony's like, what are you saying? And he has to basically translate the, the British English for him to, yeah. to explain what's going on. And, yeah, and then that guy, that idiot in the back of the car, <laughs> pulling out that freaking so katana blade. And <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> like, is he coming with us? Well, yeah, it just depends which part of him you want to want to come. I, I love the travel 
kind of montage that, or I mean, it's so quick. It's not even really a montage of, you know, cousin Abby coming from New York to London, like him flying the Concorde. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I love, I mean, cause one, he, he would definitely fly a Concorde. I mean, it's like less than three hours from New York to London of why, why wouldn't you do that? And then immediately when like people die, Nope, I'm out. I'm gone. Like, yeah. like he's like, you know, he knows his limits. He's like, no, that's fine. Uh, I'm not well, yeah, up a- and I always, I still get sad when he accidentally kills Tony. Yeah. Like I've seen this movie dozens of times and I'm just always like, Oh no. Cause that's like my favorite. Yours is Boris, but my favorite character in the whole movies is, is Tony. Tony. It yeah. just, yeah. So. I think Vinnie Jones is just fantastic. You know? Yeah. But yeah, the quick cut in that over that overhead shot with him taking the shot glass. Mm-hmm. And yeah, don't go to England. <laughs> Anything to declare? Yeah, it's oh. so quick. It's such a yeah. quick film. It is. It um, it it sits on my shelf, and will have a treasured place there for basically forever. Oh yeah, easily, easily. How yeah. how long is it actually? What is it? Wasn't like an hour forty five minutes or something like that. Yeah, it's it's, it's less than two hours. Yeah, and it that's moves. Crazy. You're right. It moves at a breakneck speed. There's no no wasted frames. Mm-mm. There's no scenes where I'm like, this is dragging. No, you definitely doesn't need to be cut twenty minutes or ten even ten minutes. I'm like, there's really there's very little here that I can even think of that I want to cut. Um, and I'm going to tell you, uh, going back to the music because it just popped into my head, and I and I cannot let this pod you know pocket episode end without me talking about this, but there is almost no better scene for me than when it's the first fight between uh, gorgeous George and Mickey. And it's like right after he gets kind of pushed down and he does the one punch knocks gorgeous out. And then the song golden Brown comes out and it's just like, I, I abs- absolutely adore everything that's happening. And then that song is just kind of playing this, not, not a melancholy song, but it's definitely quieter song for something that just happened. And then it's Turkish narrating over top of it and, and just talks about Tommy being, if he's not scared, he should be, you know, cause he may, if, Gorgeous George doesn't wake up. They're going to kill him too. Yeah. Oh, like just the, the choices he makes, the ways he kind of plays with your emotions. He's, he's a master when it comes to directing. He's, he's definitely up there in my opinion. Yeah. There's no other movie that looks like this, you know, and they tried to, they tried to do that spinoff. I never watched it, but I think 2017, they tried to do the TV show spinoff of it. And it didn't, it didn't uh, survive past, I think seven or eight episodes. Um, Cause the world is pretty interesting and you feel like there is something there potentially to, to work with if they were going to do some sort of streaming show on it. But I, that's, that's been tried. And if he's not involved with it heavily, then it's not going to work because the dialogue is what carries this whole, this whole thing. Yeah, definitely the dialogue and also the pacing. And it's hard to do that when you're doing, you know, eight, 10 episodes, 12 episodes of like, you know, this is less than two hours and it feels great, but like, this is not one of those movies that I would want to see 12 hours worth. It'd be a whole lot of filler, you know, there'd be, or not so much filler, but you'd have to have a really good story and good dialogue because you can only do some of these so much before it becomes too repetitive where it's no longer funny. So, I mean, again, I mean, he seems to break up some of these, these movies uh, with other stuff that he, he does, but still keeps a little bit of it. I know, you know, there's a lot of people who hate Revolver. I don't hate Revolver. It's not my favorite um, of of his, but I understand why people don't don't like it. But I mean, he what is it? He did 
I'm looking at it now. So like he did rock and roll up, but then he did a ton of things before he did the gentleman, which I feel are very similar to snatch. I mean, we're talking 11 years between those two. I mean, he did the Sherlock's in between. He did man from uncle. He didn't, you know, King Arthur. So, I mean, it's not like he's just producing snatch ripoffs. Like he's got other things. And, but I think that's what makes rock and roll and, the gentleman work is even though they not snatch ripoffs, but they're in the vein is they're so far apart that it's like, I'm ready for a new one. I'm ready to see what else he's got in the tank in this kind of vein of heist slash underground London stuff. I I did want to jump back on um, the topic of the editor, uh, John Harris, John Harris. And it's interesting because snatch is like his, I'm based on IMDb, his first credited feature. Mm Hmm. He'd done a few shorts and then some, an episode of a TV series, but he does snatch. And then Matthew Vaughn steals him away because he edits layer cake (laughs) and and start and stardust and kick ass and Kingsman, the secret service. And he's done a couple episodes of uh, black mirror and he, he did the sequel to train spotting as well. Hmm. Um, and then he's got stuff coming in, coming up, but it's interesting that Richie didn't really work with him again. Especially um, it's kind of awesome. a one-off, but. And bring it back ex- full yeah. circle. Layer cake is where we got that fantastic rack exposure. Got <laughs> yes. it right. I got it right this time. A year yeah. later, I get it right. <laughs> yeah. And you know, in a lot of ways, obviously the kind of generic double feature would be to watch lock stock and snatch but i would i would recommend a double feature of snatch and layer cake mm-hmm. because of the connection with with vaughn and then you've got the same editor and i and think that would make up. yeah i think that would make a because you have one you have one film with kind of the happy ending <laughs> and then you have another one with, with the not so happy with more the fatalist ending so and we will do layer cake we've kind of been teasing that that movie forever, like <laughs> basically since one of the first episodes on the podcast or even that teaser episode we did yeah, where it was mentioned, but yeah, and we've never come around to, to do in layer cake and we actually, we absolutely need to, but there's, there's a bunch of good movies that we're going to talk about this year. I can just, I can just feel it like yeah. 2024 yeah. cinema A to B is going to have some good stuff going on, you know, and not just new movies coming out. I think it's going to be, we're going to revisit some really good ones. We hit some of the highs this time, but I think, there's some gems out there that. that yeah, I'm trying to, to rectify the fact that we've nobody knows this really, but we do break things down into seasons, but we we don't actually there's <laughs> no good anything. reason for it because we've not really done a a 13 episode season with a unified theme. Mm-hmm. And I want to rectify that this year. Okay. Where we that. we can come up with some some capsules of, of 13 episodes of, uh, films or streaming shows or something like that, that have some sort of unifying theme. But yeah, we've been kind of just haphazardly going about it, given (laughs) whatever, whatever we want to. And we do really appreciate everybody that's chosen to download Mm -hmm. episode, listen episodes of the podcast. This, this, this was kind of just a fun little venture almost a year ago. It'll be a year at the end of uh, January and we just really appreciate it. I mean, it's, it's kind of wild 
and uh, listeners all over the world and shout out to folks listening in like the UK. We've got some listeners in the UK and I know for a fact in Spain and, and Peru and appreciate that. And, then, and I mean, just yeah, Sweden. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, some of them are, these are friends or family. And then I'm going to tell you, there's locations that people are listening to this at that I don't know a single person there. So for those Thank you so much for for joining us, and thank you so much for finding us and listening to us. We I really didn't think that we would be kind of this not big because we we're obviously still very tiny, but I didn't even think we'd have this many listeners just listening to you and I ramble on about m- movies. It's because people just shows. don't have anything better to do. Alex. It's just a, <laughs> it's, it's it was a slow it was a slow news day. Twenty twenty three was slow. There wasn't a whole lot going yeah. on. Not yeah. content drought. There, I mean, writers and actors strike. Obviously, you know, so you got to find your your content somewhere else. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, but with that, just want to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners. Whether you are doing the audio only, you're on YouTube, or heck, if you're just watching the shorts, just we really appreciate all of you very much for kind of tuning in, listening to us and kind of keeping us being pushed on. I mean, we're both enjoying this. I know I'm still having a blast. We did this just for us. And if it brings any kind of enjoyment to you all, we really, we really appreciate that. And we're really hopeful for that. So Ben, final thoughts, anything you want to add before we end this episode? If if somebody hasn't watched Snatch in a while, I think you need to go ahead and do it. And uh, shout out to, to uh, uh, Thomas, for uh for his listenership and he uh mm-hmm. he de- he told me this was in his top 10 and i think that's an excellent choice in a top 10 yeah. um it's not in mine i don't there's just only 10 slots i just don't, <laughs> it's hard well, i might have I to re i might have to reconsider this but <laughs> it's just outside it's probably top 20 if i had to pick my favorites so many it's good films. Right it's hard it's hard to i gotta do that little like click the the movies again to really really kind of get a feeling of what's in my top 10 now before we go though i do want to say one of my favorite scenes that just captures everything is when tony enters the hallway when everybody's dove down onto the ground Mm -hmm. and he shot he's already shot through the wall Mm -hmm. and there's a music track that picks up there i think it's like a i don't know what the instrument is i think it's a woodwind of some sort and he he releases his clip it falls to the ground and the, and the, it's a, it's a dolly out away from him. And it's just so damn cool. Yeah. And that was kind of what drew me to this movie is I just think this thing is still oozes cool. Yeah. It's and so especially, slick. yeah, especially Tony. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, then we launched into the, uh, the recoilless desert Eagle point five Oh, my goodness. But no, I, I do. We appreciate everybody listening to the pod next week. Um, we will release an episode. Well, okay. So we'll, we'll push this episode to the podcast Monday mm-hmm. following Monday, just to tease. It will be Mad Max Fury road, mm-hmm. which we've already recorded. And I, uh, look forward to the pushing that one out. That's a fantastic piece of Absolute filmmaking as well. Excellent. So film. we're spoiled, man. There's so many good movies. There's so so much good content. Like it didn't out there. matter when they went on strike. There was just no. there's so much stuff to discuss and watch and yeah. to re- either a revisit or just stuff that's already out that I haven't gotten to because there's so much new stuff coming out all the time. It's so I like like my little like my list of this is the stuff I want to watch. Like I didn't hit half of it for 2023. 
because there was just so much that was was coming out yeah. that was hard yeah. to go back and you know that's some of the stuff that was left over from 2022 that I never got to and so it's it's difficult but man I'm excited for this year there's gonna be some good stuff but wow alright well that's Snatch well just again huge thank you to everybody thanks for joining in and uh, we'll see you next time <laughs>